This is a National Arts Center podcast. Find more great NAC podcasts on the performing arts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Center on iTunes and subscribe for free. Welcome to the We Love Canadian Music Podcast. I'm your host, NAC Presents Executive Producer, Heather Gibson. We Love Canadian Music brings you up-close and personal interviews with Canadian musicians on far-ranging topics from life on the road to the artists they find most inspiring. Join us every two weeks for a new interview. Okay, so here we are today with Amelia Kern. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good, good. So one of the things that you say at the top of every one of your shows is, what is it you say? Hi. Hi. I'm Amelia Kern and I'm from St. John's, Newfoundland. So I'm going to take from that that it means an awful lot to you that you're from St. John's, Newfoundland. It does. It really does, which is common in St. John's, Newfoundland. And I think that the, the world, well, if people know about St. John's, Newfoundland, if they've heard of it before, I think that they know that people who are from St. John's really like being from St. John's. So is it St. John's or is it Newfoundland? It's both. It's also, um, you know, Newfoundland and Labrador, but of course that's the, you know, the name of the province that's within Canada. And then there's there's a lot of talk about that. When, if I just say Newfoundland, am I leaving Labrador out? Right. But I'm not from Labrador. I'm not a Labradorian. Right. You know, so, so this they're is separate just, and distinct to you. Yeah, completely. Right. Yeah. And, uh, is that is that because they've had a different heritage, or how does that? Is it because uh, they're, they're not the island. Heritage. I think uh, I think it's as simple as its geography. As I'm from this place on the map, I'm from Newfoundland, the island called Newfoundland. I'm not from Labrador. I'm from a province that's Newfoundland and Labrador for sure. Right, but there's something that must be more uh, in your heart about that than just simply geography. Like I know there's, yeah. you know, when I've spoken to people, other people about Newfoundland and. And if people who are listening haven't been to Newfoundland, there's obviously a distinct geography to Newfoundland, mm-hmm. but there's also something about the people that yeah. uh, that I think probably you uh, relate to as well. Yeah, completely. There's, um, I mean, the uh, the Irish heritage is very apparent mm. in Newfoundland, and um, what does that bring with it? <sighs> that's good. I mean, a lot of the culture, you know, we, we roll our eyes and say, we say, you know, of course, that's the Irish in us. Mm. I mean, that's the kitchen party that you hear about. That's, you know, even, um, I keep leaning on geography, but it looks like Ireland in some places. And our ancestry is Irish. Not all of us. I shouldn't say all of us, but quite a lot. Uh, mine is. Um, and uh, the music, the literature, mm. you know, a lot of the art that is our cultural leaning, that is our, you know, the most part of our cultural identity, more than fish, uh, is art, right? So a lot of that comes from our ancestry. Right. So some people uh, who may have just been um, made aware of Newfoundland uh, are through Come From Away. Did you get to see Come From Away yet? I have not seen Come From Away. Neither have I. Um, but uh, okay. no, I we're going to have a lot to say. Well, no, this. but I'm just curious because I mean I know what the premise of that yeah. play is, and mm. and I I st- you know I can can uh, relate to why people are so um, so mm-hmm. drawn to it. But do you think that there was something unique about Newfoundland about that story, or is that a small town story? 
I don't know. I mean, I I do. I think it's uniquely Newfoundland because. But I then again, I have that inside look. You know, I mm. I know it from the inside. I know what those people are like when they heard of a tragedy and immediately started cooking. Right. You know, um, but. And we have that reputation, but maybe that's because we're a small population that's spread out. You know, you'll find Newfoundlanders everywhere. Mm, that's right. um, so I don't know. I think there's a lot to be said for small towns and small town culture. And I don't. I, we're certainly not alone in that hospitality thing that you find in small towns. Mm. It was just so. coupled with some interesting sayings and accents, I think. Yeah, definitely <laughs> a few good colloquials. Newfoundisms, I like to call them. Yeah. <laughs> so on the line of uh, there's Newfoundland spread out everywhere, you've been all over the place touring. Yeah. Through, uh, where where are some of your highlights? God, I'm going to talk about Ireland again. Be really exhausting. I don't know. I love Ireland. I mean, so for people who aren't listening, because I'm going to jump in with a comment about Ireland, and, and who are listening <laughs> who don't don't know that I've uh, worked with Amelia for a decade now, and we still somehow get along most days. But the <laughs> Ireland is one of my f- least favorite places for you to tour because I it know. has no public transit. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's kind uh, of the worst. And one of the things about you that lots of people don't know is that you don't drive. Yep, that's yeah, true. Which makes touring the world as a solo musician just that much just more challenging. Just a ridiculous job posting. Really. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually one of those things where it says required yeah. driving driver's license, and you just said, you know what, I'm, I don't yeah, you know, going to apply anyways. Yeah, I'm going to skip that part. Yeah, <laughs> never got my license uh, and travel for a living, so that's just kind of stupid, isn't it? <laughs> well, and so if people have been to Ireland or are about to go, they should not r- rely on any kind of public transit yeah, system, in it is my bizarre. opinion. It's the very... trains, all roads lead to Dublin. You have to go to Dublin to get anywhere. And you sort of triangulate uh, yeah. wherever you're going. And uh, so you rely a lot, in my mind, I rely a lot on being a Canadian when I'm there, actually, because touring Canada is ridiculous. Uh, the country is too big. Too, it's too much of an expanse, mm. and uh, they think we're nuts. I'm sure for for being road musicians. When I go over to the UK, because the towns are so close together, such a huge population in a small area, and so I don't mind so much if it's a ridiculous amount of time. If it's four hours to get somewhere, that doesn't seem like much to me. No, and mm. then, but you know, I guess the difference in Canada is that we're largely it's just one road. Yeah, right. It's, the it's, highway. It's mostly one road, the yeah. highway. Uh, but in in Ireland, for sure, like there's that lovely place you like down in Clonakilty, uh-huh. which is in the south. What would that be? Southwest. It's near Cork. It's about an hour away from Cork. Yeah, by bus. But then, well, so you like can get you to said, Cork. But if you want to go to the hour to the other side of Cork, you have to go back to Dublin to and back. come back down to the other side of Cork. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Yeah, yeah. And I know there's a place called uh, Monroe's that you play, and that is in. Oh, that's in um, uh, Galway. Galway. Okay, what's the place we always have to get some fella to drive you? That's it's like, I feel like I send Bally, you out and say... Bally something? Or <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I feel like I send you out to Dublin and say, just go find someone and ask them if they'll yeah. get, take you in their car. Once I took a bus there, but it was... Uh, and from I had gotten to Dublin, and then I... And you had found this, however you found this in, in your travel brain... <laughs> That's right. You're also like, known as it's the internet. This bus, and then I, <laughs> and then, but I got on this. It was just a city bus, like from Dublin. I got on this city bus with my suitcase and my guitar and all this stuff. 
and I asked if I was going, if I was on the right bus, and I sat on that bus, and like school kids came and went, and <laughs> office people came and went, and then it got like small towny, and you know, gr- people with their groceries came and went, and I was still on this bus, and it did go to that town, like two towns away, or whatever. It was you were really just strange. a weird so woman you, on the bus that day. Yeah, it was the very strange lady on the bus. Right. But I mean, you can get there. You just have. I mean. I'm waiting for the day when it's like horse and cart and right. But you've also spent some time in Ireland not performing. Yeah, you've gone yeah. And, and done some writing there. Do Do you mm-hmm. find that you know if we talk about your writing for a little bit? I haven't been talking too much about about music, but uh, with people on this show so far. But as far as your writing goes, um, I think people often want to know how you come to write the songs that you do, and mm. and uh, is it something that you do in a I'm going on a retreat I'm going to put myself away for a couple of weeks and write we hear about that scenario from other writers or do you write all the time or is it the inspiration strikes you or you're just really cranky and you get up in the middle of the night and write a song or, or does it it's how does that work it's kind of all of those things isn't that annoying that's um, no, not, <laughs> like, not annoying I do I I keep saying you know that I write every day I don't actually write every day but I hear myself say that out loud and then I try and hold myself to it so it's the days when I don't want to write but if I've actually got nothing else to be at then right. I make myself write and most often if you're not really in the mood nothing really comes from that but I think of it as just practicing right you know you're practicing what you're supposed to be doing so so I do do that um, which is an interesting you know. thing. Is that something that, you know, I got asked the other day when I was doing a little panel thing about, about you know, what would I tell the young people coming into the mm. music industry who wanted to uh, to break into the as an emerging artist and, and yeah. have a show at the National Arts Center or, or anywhere for that matter. And the person that was doing the panel with me said, you know, you just have to get better and practice and practice mm-hmm. and practice. And sometimes I wonder if... if um, not every artist realizes that extends to their songwriting. Yeah. That, that for you, would you say that it's a craft for you, that it's something that you... Completely. Yeah. yeah. Right. Nail on the head. It's it's a craft. It's something that you that you ought to practice. But it's it's tricky because there's that... I love the writing retreat. I love, you know, going off somewhere that's, that's not your house or your office or whatever. Um and giving yourself at least a week to to just pummel out these these songs, I think it's great. It's inherently romantic. It's that's what you want is that romantic thing. So that song can write itself and just magically appear, and it can be that inspiration, that muse thing. Everybody wants that, and it does happen, but not as often as we say it does. Right. You know, right? I think it's work. I think you have to get better at it. Because also, to a point, if you're not practicing outside of your comfort zone. You're going to get good at that one thing. And then I feel like you can finish that task. And then all you'll have to do is to repeat yourself. Right. You know, so I mean, in the interest of not repeating myself, I'll try and get better at it or different at it, you know, or something. Hmm. And so do you spend a lot of time in your day? Um, do you, are you a re- reflective person? Do you spend a lot of time quietly in your day? <laughs> I was going to crack up laughing because I'm like, you know full well that I'm a very reflective person. <laughs> it's not what I know, Amelia. I know. Sorry. I'm getting, I'm getting really into it. Because if it was about what I know. <laughs> well, what? We'd be talking, we'd be reading menus by now. <laughs> exactly. Reflective. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, that's, you know, and then I get sick of myself. And then, uh, and then I write things about just being tired of oneself. It's... Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I think reflection is all is all I've really got. 
<laughs> you know. What do you think the hardest part of your job is? Mm, that's a good question. I don't really know. When you've spoken about the romantic part, and people do think that there's a fair bit of romance too. Mm. You know, isn't it, it lovely? And, and you tour all, you know, you get to go yeah. to all these places. And I've had conversations with other artists about how unromantic uh, touring yeah. can be. And that uh, the day in, day out of, um, just mm-hmm. like you've done today, you got up at nine in the morning, you drove here from Toronto, you've done your sound check now, and you're about to go to the hotel for probably about 10 minutes before you have dinner, and then you get yeah. on the stage. And then tomorrow, you know, it's a, a sort of rinse and repeat type yeah. scenario. Yeah, um, very unromantic. Tour. Very unromantic. Yeah. And it's something that makes me angry about week three. And, uh, and I know that you often do more like four or five weeks at a time. Mm. Um, but you know, is it the touring that's the hardest, or is it the, the, um, the uh, you know? Sometimes I've heard people say, "Well, it's the always being on part." Um, yeah. But uh, but there's not always being on part about my job too. I mean, I think there's lots mm-hmm. of jobs that are that way. And if you're a face of something, it's it's going to be hard at yeah. some point. Yeah. Um, even if that face also has, even if that thing also has your name attached to it, right? You know, <laughs> I right. mean. Do you feel people have an expectation of you, the public, your fans? I don't and know. You know, I have. You say that you're the face of. They have an expectation. I assume so, and right. it, but I think it. I think that's fair. I hmm. think it's fair to have an expectation of somebody who's, you know, who's pr- trying to sell you their their creative work on the back of their own name. You right. know, and I think it's fair to have an expectation of that person to be available to you. Hmm. Um, it's certainly tiring though yeah i think uh i used to say carrying stuff was the hardest part of my job (laughs) and it certainly has which is a bit tongue-in-cheek right but it it definitely has been and now i've got this vinyl that i'm carrying around as well i've got this book that i'm carrying around and i'm like what is wrong with me why did i make this stuff that's known to be heavy and in fact, uh, we even talked, you know, both of us, uh, about that, <laughs> of saying, I was like, do you really want vinyl? I know, I know. they want vinyl. But I was, I was like, like, maybe oh. we could just make them the, the like, the artwork. And or we... <laughs> <laughs> we'll fold it up nicely and put we it in the We talked about city. doing a small one. What are the small ones? Uh, the little seven-inch ones. Yeah, yeah, we talked about doing that. But yeah. then that. So now there's these things. I was packing them up today. Vinyl, books. I was like, I hate, I hate my life. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, but that's all foolish. But I think what's, after however many years... I think the hardest part of the job for me is social media, which is um, which is part of which is related to what you were saying about being on mm. all the time and being available all the time. And also, I'm just uh, not, I'm just a, a little bit of a luddite, and I like it that way. Mm. So it's so it's very difficult for me to translate. And then you know when you don't want to do something and you sort of try and talk yourself out of it a little bit. If you don't want to do the dishes, you convince yourself why it's okay not to do the dishes. And with social media, I will talk myself into how little that really matters. It doesn't matter to me, um, but it does matter. And I think that expectation is fine. Well, and it's interesting. Um, this day, even though this this will air a long time from now, today's mm. the day that, that we've announced my very first season um, from at least from September to December. So I've been oh, doing yeah. all of these interviews and talking to people. And, and one of the things that the wonderful people at marketing here at the NAC knows is that I don't, that I don't read the comments and I right. don't read the, the, um, the responses back. And if there's something I need to read, they tell me. And yeah. um, they, you know, they'll send me something. And I do that with you. Yeah. And I think that it's, uh, 
it's not that big a secret that um, most of the time it's not you on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's, you know, and you can look at some of those things and you can tell when it's a personal comment from you versus when it's just us posting about a show that you have coming. Yeah. Um, and when people direct message you, I will send you a note and say there's some things you need to read on there and then you go. Yep. But some of that, I, you know, I've been reflecting a lot about the whole social media and, um, and the being on thing. And the reason that I don't read it, and I don't know if you feel the same way about this, that I don't read it is not because I'm not interested, but it's very hard to have that thick skin all the time. Because mm. um, some people are, uh, even if they believe that they're being nice, um, you're just sometimes not ready to hear about all the things that you should have done better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then sometimes, yeah. you know, and so the marketing team here, they sometimes will just put them in, a, in one, one page for me about the things I should have done better okay. rather than wait. And you read for, them when you're, when you're ready for that. I read them when I'm ready it's to like do it. It's like if I'm going to feel like I'm at the principal's office, I'm going to I'm going to go there when I know that I'm going to the principal's office and I'm yeah. about to be lectured or something. Well, it's and, funny and Jill Kiley, who you know, who's yeah. the, the artistic director of English Theatre here, she leaves all of the reviews, her team put them in a file, and she reads them two months later. So mm. that the emotion of what you're doing in the immediate sense, yeah. she wants to know and wants to see the reviews and all the rest of it, but not in the, the heart or the heat of it. Yeah. Um, and also, I, I mean, I'm extrapolating about this because I think about it with my own, because I find there is an art to putting to, to making choices and to putting a season together that you're sort yeah. of in the same way saying here what do you think and then you have to stand behind that choice and that that's right thing right so and be the is, face of something and, so yeah. so then you say well you read the comments but don't take it personally but you sort of can't help it and it you know a, a negative thing can really spin a person out even the most reasonable the most stable person it's uh, it's a lot to take in I was talking to somebody recently about comments. Because um, that's a thing too, isn't it? On, online, people are there's a hashtag. Don't read the comments thing. Well, I mean, you know, you know. what all Tanya Gillis has to ha- sorry Tanya Tagak has mm. to say is seal. Yeah, and her and, oh Facebook page is yeah. like you know it's it's crazy. And I think you know, and that's it is a, there's this na- this thing that's happened where we feel we can comment and yeah. um, on everything. Yeah. We're we're just at that cusp, you and I, on the you know we're not you're not quite a millennial. You weren't right. born with it, and you probably still remember having a phone. Millennials attached to the are wall. older than I thought they were. When, <laughs> like when we <laughs> when we first started saying millennial, yeah. Um, I I thought that they were much younger, and then the dates came out, and it's in it's born in the eighties. In the eighties, yeah. Which yeah. is, I mean, I was born in seventy eight. Yeah, and I do not identify with no. There's a line with whatever millennial yeah. is, but yeah. you know. Yeah, and there's a line. I think the only reason I bring up I bring that up is because I don't think you know I was still brought up with uh, you know your opinion is your opinion, mm. and sometimes you know like I was still brought up and if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah. I don't need to be um, uh, patrolling and perusing everyone's you know and and being a monitor. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we are digressing into the land of yeah, social we're talking about. Oh, I remember what the thing I wanted to say was it's also the the praise. There can be a lot of like, oh, I've done a show. Oh, and then you check to see um, how much everybody loved the show, which does happen. And social right. media is just full of praises. Right. Um, and that makes me equally as uncomfortable and itchy as, as the negative right. stuff does right. because it just feels inherently false to me. And... That's not fair to to people who who really are being genuine. 
Well, and know? I think, you know, one of the things that I've found with music, whether I'm doing shows at the front or the back of the house, um, is that what's going on on stage for you is not what's going on for the audience. And mm. so you may come off the stage thinking that something, this has gone on ABC or it's not mm. what you wanted or it wasn't, for whatever the reason is. And somebody still may have thought it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And so for them, they are being genuine. But for you, like in that praise of mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah. and so there is this sort of, you know, but I think that's also something that maybe is, is an inherent part of being an artist. Um, is it's also the, the medium, though. You know, it's like, you know, if I meet somebody after the show and 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 we have a nice meetup and I and I'm complimented and I receive that compliment and you know and like and it's just a nice meeting, uh, but if I read the same thing on social media after, it would still feel it's the medium that right. that bugs me. It's the especially if it's in like one it's of those been... gifts that has like confetti coming out of. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I don't know what that is. I mean, I know what that is. Yeah, yeah. I get social media. I just I get it, but I don't identify with it. Right. So speaking of putting your name on things and identifying with things, uh, you've been doing a lot of conversation, having a lot of conversations about mental health these yeah. days. Yeah, and something that you're you're uh, starting to f- to find your your voice on. Is that fair? Mm, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> Confidently, apparently. Yeah. yeah that, you know that was very Canadian, almost hosier like. Yeah, like, yeah, sure. sure yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what what made you start to speak about that? Because I think that when. Uh, in the beginning of your career, with at least during my time, uh, which was uh, near the beginning, uh, I think in many ways, um, mm. that uh, you were not, you were quite reluctant to speak about almost anything personal unless it was in your songs. Mm. And uh, there's been a, a real evolution of that. Would mm-hmm. you say that's true? I don't. I don't know. You know what? I I'm guilty of being aloof about a lot of things. Um, that like the talking about mental health, telling my own story felt, uh, still, you know, I don't love to do it. I, I don't mind. It's not because I'm shy about Mm. it or ashamed, but I feel like that's not the point. Right. You know, I feel like my personal story isn't the point. Telling my personal story is just adding to the pile of whatever, whatever. Um, but I'm, that's, that's too aloof. It it is important. You know, I, I see reactions to personal stories to mine to other people's personal stories you know is very empowering for people so you know but at first i just i just didn't think much of it right and so now that you uh, are putting a voice to those things did you finding mm-hmm. that uh, are you finding the reaction a bit overwhelming or is it something that you're you're learning to embrace it's overwhelming for sure um it's uh it's hard to keep up with as soon as i uh, married the the word act, advocate and advocacy, right. uh, things started to move very fast. Mm. And I realized how many advocates there are out there for mental health services and, and, and for lots of other things too, uh, and how hard these people are working and how fast they're talking and how fast they're moving and trying to keep up. And I, And it's just so much and it's really overwhelming. And I got lost, and we started this not-for-profit advocacy group, you know, and added right. to the pile, and I right. get lost in it, you know, until... And you even made T-shirts to carry with you. made so T-shirts no- that I was going to carry around. <laughs> and now I'm yeah. going to... I don't know what I'm going to carry around next. It's just... That's going to be my bio, like right. a life in luggage <laughs> or something. The Amelia current story. Carrying. <laughs> It'll be on W Network or yeah, something. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it'll have to be like a hardcover, something really heavy that you have to carry around. So, so you're in the thick of that, of having those conversations and, and speaking to people and being mm-hmm. an advocate. Have you had a chance to, um, to reflect on uh, one of the things when I listen to you speak about it um, and others, and I look at some of the stuff online, and so like you say, all these campaigns, these Let's mm-hmm. Talk campaigns and, and all these advocacy pieces. And I wonder about what it's going to take to really move the needle. And then yeah. where my brain goes is it compares to other things. Like I start to compare, of like how long did it take us to move a needle on this thing or that yeah. thing? Have you had a chance to reflect upon um, what do you think the, the the stopping what's stopping this from moving the needle in a really in a really significant way? Uh, what's stopping it? Yeah. Why why is it going so slow? Why is it going so slow? Why some of the things that we talk we I hear a lot about uh, just from being in your periphery is about. Um, Say healthcare services, mm-hmm. um, things to do with treating people with with uh, mental health issues and mental illness, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the stigma. Think I think is is one piece of it. But then also, why are we not treating? Why is mental health and mental illness treated differently than cancer? Yeah, or those. You know, there's a whole list of things you part, can make. As part examples. of it is 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 perfectly reasonable, and it's it's just that the brain is very inaccessible <laughs> as a, as an organ to study, right. and um, there are things that we don't know uh, that may help where that where they where mental illnesses come from. Where I mean, we know a lot, but we don't know a lot mm. as as compared to physical health issues. Um, but the main thing, the main thing is is the stigma. You know, stigma isn't just an attitude. It's the reality of stigma is homelessness, imprisonment, death, like big scary things, and stigma. Because of uh, advocacy groups like mine who are running around waving these friendly flags of saying one in five and one in four and this is everybody and people have a sister or a mother or a brother or a father who has a mental illness and people will identify but they're not identifying that mother or father with the person on the street or the person who committed a crime or, you know, the person who has those challenges that keep them from participating in their community or their society. And it's because of stigma. And stigma is just a gentle word for discrimination. Um, it's discrimination against the mentally ill. It's not against mental mental health. Nobody's against mental health. And I think that's a big barrier. Is we, I even say mental health advocate. I'm advocating for mental health. But not really. I'm advocating against discrimination towards the mentally ill, you know? So when you say um, things like, uh, you know, it's, it's we don't know a lot about the human brain or, you know, yeah. do you think that some of that stigma is that people just don't believe? I think absolutely people don't believe. Right. Um, and I think when uh, people with mental illnesses get caught up in the criminal justice system, um, because maybe someone is a, has been a public nuisance, then that person is not, you know, if we're fighting stigma, it's acceptable to people if we say, I am fighting stigma, that person has a mental health issue, rather than saying a mental illness, to be comfortable, we'll say a mental health issue or a mental health crisis. And that's fine, to a point I don't care what language we use if, as long as we can get somewhere. But... Oh my God, I'm blah, blah, blahing. Um, no, you're not blah, blah, blahing. I mean, it's interesting because when I think about, like the reason <coughs> I said mental health is because I 
I think that I have been accustomed to or you know attuned to um, that a mental illness is saying that um, definitively something's been diagnosed. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, but I, I don't think that's me. I think it's societal. Is that you have a mental yeah. illness, you've been diagnosed with something, mm-hmm. you likely take medication for it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go on the reverse of stigma and stereotypes, maybe you've decided not to take your medication. Maybe that's what the problem is. Like you know, yeah. there's that's yeah. that stigma as well that go or that that sort of stereotype onto and mental health. I think um, is people trying to be more gentle about it. More, yeah. more, they're trying to be more open about. Uh, about what the conversation is. And um, it's interesting that when you talk about um, mental illness and crime, mm-hmm. um, do you think that some of the barrier there too is that people can't see past the crime regardless I of... I think that people cannot see past the mental illness. Um, I think that if a crime is committed and the person who committed the crime has a mental illness, it explains away the crime. And, I th- and it makes people more at ease with the crime, you know, when... Uh, oh, it, do you? I, I, so say that, sorry, I, I actually, I don't, I think I feel the opposite of that. So say that again. I think say- people are, I think it explains away the crime. It blames the mental illness for the crime. And you think people are comfortable with that? I think they're relieved with that because it explains the crime. Huh. I actually would have thought that it was more that the stereotype of... Um, using mental illness as an excuse mm. to commit a crime, that there is a stereotype or stigma attached. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I wonder now if we're saying similar things. Sometimes we are. It's been 10 years. <laughs> Sometimes we say exactly the same thing. And you if this what, was a call-in though? show, we could take caller number three right now to tell us oh if we're saying God. the same. That Can you per- even imagine? That we should have a call-in show. Now? Oh, my God. Well, the- we can't even read the comments. We can't have a call-in show. <laughs> exactly. Somebody will be calling in right now going, your time is up, girls. <laughs> oh. Do you know what it is? So I got to get this one thing out is is that um, about ment- mental illness and, and the criminal uh, component is that uh, we're comfortable with that stereotype, you know, of of the criminally insane, I suppose. And um, but when people who have mental illnesses enter the justice system, they are never out of the justice system. There's no exit point. If they're if and when they're out of prison, they still have probation officers. They have counselors. They are assigned. It's kind of where the mental health care system works. You know, they're assigned right. doctors and and counselors, um, housing scenarios, um, and things like this. That person is never free to commit a crime again. Um, you know, people in the justice system who do not have mental illnesses are in and out and in and out and in and out. And yet we are afraid of the mentally ill person. I'm not suggesting we be afraid of anybody. I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of work to do in the justice system in general. But when it comes to a catch-all for the mentally ill, um, that's, you know, that's one of our big problems. Hmm. Well, I, uh, I want to thank you for talking to me. And, Thanks for uh, talking to me. Yeah. I, I've talked to you for quite a while. It's been it's been a while. I mean, it's like mostly just about, hey, you want to go to Dublin? Right. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> what about Clonakilty? Okay. Um, <laughs> you can figure out how to get there yourself. Yeah, figure it out, Karen. That's right. And if there's anyone in Dublin listening to this, yeah, God I could use a you. ride. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you have an excellent show tonight, and uh, yeah. we'll see you back. 
at the National Arts Center soon, I think. It's going to be great. Great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to We Love Canadian Music. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the podcast. We hope you'll give NAC Presents a like on Facebook and find us online by searching for NAC Presents. This has been a National Arts Centre podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NAC podcasts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.